lawyers, and this is illegal actually, to discriminate because of a person's political preference. But how many people in the survey admitted、um, that they treat their employees differently because of political bias?、Mm. Admitted. Admitted. Wow. Okay, admitted. It's one thing to do it, but it's another thing to admit it. You know.、Um, good call. Good call. Twenty、uh, percent. Twenty percent. I'm gonna let it ride. Forty-three <laughs> percent. You like that number? Forty <laughs> something. Let's take a look at the answer. Oh, okay. Eleven percent. That's good. That, I mean, well, that's not good. It's but not it's, good. It's, it's actually illegal. So, eleven percent. What happened to Lojie? I mean, he lost his job opportunity. That was illegal. Okay, one more question. So, people have differences of opinion, you know, regarding politics. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? After many years of sending its people off across the world in search of greener pastures, Taiwan has itself become a magnet for people looking for a better life. In the past few decades, a mix of migrant workers and permanent immigrants ready to put down roots has started to arrive. These new arrivals come mainly from the nearby countries of Southeast Asia, and one of the biggest of these new communities comes from Vietnam. Nguyen Phu Dinh is one of those Vietnamese people who has decided to stay and start a new life here. She joins us today to tell us how her connection with Taiwan started and how recent years have seen the Vietnamese community here move from struggle to success. 以前混的话应该有十万多了，工作应该是有二十几万。Ms. Wing says that there are two groups of Vietnamese people who have come to Taiwan in recent decades. The first group, which includes herself, is made up of those who are married to Taiwan-born people. She guesses that by now there must be over 100,000 of them in total. The other group is made up of those here for temporary work. She says that this group is easily twice as large. Keep in mind that Taiwan's population sits at only around 23 million. Ms. Nguyen says that those who come here for marriage tended to arrive earlier. She herself found love here and came just short of 20 years ago. In terms of how long she's been here, though, she counts herself somewhere in the middle. In the early days, she says, marriage brokers may have been involved, but these days there's much more regulatory oversight, and those sorts of matches are a lot less common. These days, she says, you're more likely to meet Vietnamese people who met their Taiwanese partners while studying here, for instance. Marriage is one thing, but why would someone from Vietnam choose to come to Taiwan for work? As young people here will happily tell you, salaries aren't what they are in some other parts of the world, including a few of our neighbors. And it's true, Ms. Wing says that Vietnamese people also head to nearby Japan and South Korea, where salaries can be much higher. Bluntly put, though, what makes Taiwan attractive for those looking to work is lower brokerage fees. Despite protests from Southeast Asian workers here calling for the abolition of the broker system, these middlemen continue to arrange jobs for foreign workers, and they continue to collect their fees too. Ms. Nguyen belongs to the first group, those who came for marriage, but her story is a little bit different than most. 
？我的话就比较特殊一点呢，因为是我是在以前，我是在。She studied Chinese in Vietnam and made her living by guiding Chinese-speaking tour groups. One time, one of those groups happened to come from Taiwan, and among the visitors in the group was a man she would fall in love with. Even after relocating to Taiwan to be with her husband, her path continued to be a special one. 以前我们是张真总编，我我们有认识嘛，然后他刚好就是他是创办的这个四方报。She became acquainted with a person behind a special publication, specially made for Vietnamese people living in Taiwan. It was called Four Way Voice, and around ten years ago, Ms. Wing got an offer for a job there. She would go on to become its chief editor. This publication was quite unlike most of the newspapers and magazines found in Taiwan then. We this At a time before smartphones and easy internet access, this publication was a lifeline. It had a bilingual Vietnamese-Chinese mix of articles about news events, both in Taiwan and back in Vietnam. There was also information about legal matters, but Four Way Voice was way more than that. It published readers' letters and their writings, often literary works like poems, all talking about their experiences in a foreign land. Lonely Vietnamese people looking to connect with one another would introduce themselves in the paper and get to know others. The way Ms. Wing describes it, it sounds a bit like a personal ad board. Some readers met and became friends, and at least one couple has since gotten married and had kids together. Vietnamese people trying to get used to a new way of life wrote in tens of thousands of letters to make friends or just to be heard. In the end, Miss Wing says everyone who came here from Vietnam came to know about the paper. People would wait impatiently for the next edition to come out because it was only printed once a month. And she says that when some workers decided to head back to Vietnam for good, they packed their suitcase with past editions as a sort of souvenir of their time in Taiwan. All this is something she says young people coming from Vietnam today have little idea about, and it's almost hard to believe that this was still the general situation up to around 10 years ago. For new arrivals from Vietnam back then, life here could be very difficult. There were, of course, the usual language difficulties and some cultural issues too. Despite Taiwan's love of the far more pungent stinky tofu, for example, Vietnam's beloved fish sauce did not go over well in many workplaces and households. People sometimes wrote into the paper to tell of their eating it in secret. Chief among the problems, though, was a lack of clear laws and a lack of help when it came to asserting labor rights. Ms. Wing says there were plenty of people who found fantastic bosses, but others had terrible experiences with theirs, and there was little they could do. Wages might be left unpaid and overdue. Legally mandated vacation time might be denied. People who'd only signed up to clean the house or take care of an elderly relative might find themselves having to do just about everything: cooking and cleaning, and playing nanny to an entire family. In some extreme cases, people even had their physical freedom restricted. Among the memorable letters the paper received was one from a woman whose employers had cut off her access to the outside world completely and locked her up. She managed to escape, but at the time there were few resources and none of the laws, government institutions, and private groups that look out for foreign workers' welfare today. 
In the end, there was little the paper could do but publish the letter. Now, though, things are different. A 24-hour hotline exists for reporting abuses, and there's a range of private groups that sort out legal issues. Employers these days have reason to watch their step. She says she recently joked with another old-timer here, a former reader of the paper, that their early days here had been wartime, and that those coming today have it easy. Vietnamese restaurants are everywhere here, and the clientele is largely local. There's even a growing appreciation of fish sauce. Another force for change is a demographic shift that's now underway. As Taiwan's birth rate stagnates, Vietnamese-Taiwanese couples are giving birth to a large number of children born in Taiwan today. Many second-generation Taiwanese kids are already of school age. Finally, the last few years have seen especially big efforts to promote Southeast Asia here at an official level. Through its new southbound policy, Taiwan's been looking to Southeast Asia for new marketplaces and new friends. To encourage people to learn about Southeast Asia and to cater to the children of new immigrants, Southeast Asian languages have been added to the list of languages kids can study at school. All of this might not have such a big effect on the daily lives of Vietnamese workers here. Conditions for migrant workers remain an important social issue for Taiwan. But Ms. Nguyen says that as an immigrant spouse, she can feel a change. Kids can now learn her language in schools, and among those choosing to learn the language are some students without Vietnamese roots at all. In the past, Ms. Nguyen says, second-generation Taiwanese kids would often feel a bit uncomfortable talking about their roots. She says they were worried about sticking out too much. But those growing up now are proud to announce their roots in Vietnam, as well as their Taiwanese identity. All these changes, together with growing access to the internet and the arrival of smartphones, meant that four-way voice suddenly wasn't quite so relevant anymore. <laughs> if you look for it, it still exists today in an online version, mostly just carrying news. But Ms. Nguyen says that after a run of around a decade, the paper itself was no longer published. The so-called wartime she describes was over, and she moved on with her life. The scale remains small, and problems do still exist, especially those surrounding migrant workers. But slowly, it seems, Taiwan is transforming itself into the sort of place where people come in search of a better life. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. This is Radio Taiwan International. Stroke of Light. A portrait of Taiwan through the eyes of painters, sculptors, filmmakers, and photographers. Hello, and welcome back to Stroke of Light. I'm Jake Chen. Last week... We looked at the work of Ms. Xie Hongjun and more specifically how she approaches her painting with a different end goal in mind, which is to express complex thoughts and evoke emotions through abstract symbols rather than through concrete objects. So with that in mind, let's take a look at a few of her paintings, shall we?
The one painting that I would say distinctly represents her style is the one that's called Crumpled Memory. It is this square-framed black and white oil painting that, like I said in previous episodes, doesn't look like an oil painting at all. At first glance, it looks like four white squares that are overlapped on top of one another, and knowing the artist, we would expect that there is more than that. And there indeed is. When I move closer to the canvas and focus my gaze, I can see the contour of each and every square, which is quite murky, and that the squares themselves are not just blocks with a white uniform layer of paint on it. There are black and white stripes that run across them. And there are a lot of variations in the stripes and how the patterns that they form. At a close distance, the squares are all semi-transparent to varying degrees. So in one square, we can see stripes running across it and intertwining in different spots. And the square look like several layers of clothes that are loosely stacked on top of one another. In another square, the details look much more murky, and we don't get to recognize anything that they form. Now, keep in mind that the painting's title is Crumpled Memory, and I think that is highly indicative of what the artist is trying to portray. Little bits and pieces of her memory. Clearly, it is an abstract concept since we can only recall what's in our memories, but the term memory does not represent a physical concept. So the painting conveys that elusive concept, the idea of an overall construct in which our past is stored and our identity is formed. By drawing layers that look white with black and gray patterns running across, the painter tries to convey to us the nature of our memory. It is fluid and ever-changing. The content that is stored in the memory is quite similar to the stripes and patterns in that they are all interconnected and they overlap in a messy fashion, which makes them hard to make sense of at first glance. In my view, the artist has done a great job capturing the complex and shape-shifting nature of our memory. And this brings me once again to her aesthetics approach. It is not uncommon for painters to dive deep into the human psyche in order to explore and convey thoughts and emotions. Pablo Picasso's later paintings were known for expressing the intricate relations between different concepts in his mind. And many other painters have done so as well. However, very few expressed themes like this in oil paintings. Like we previously said, the medium really isn't suited for drawing clear lines and simple palettes, like Picasso so masterfully did with pencils. Oil paintings are known for conveying the three-dimensionality of textures of physical objects that exist in the real world, things that we can touch and feel, not abstract lines and thoughts. Yet somehow, Xie Hongjun challenges the status quo. The painting Crumpled Memory is made with very thin paint, and in order to achieve a varying level of transparency, which incidentally is very difficult to do in oil paintings, she seems to have invested a considerable amount of effort in thinning the surface of each block to reveal the patterns underneath. Such effort is certainly commendable, and more importantly, 
The result is something quite worthwhile. The painting's translucent colors have this elusive, almost shape-shifting quality. It is different from watercolor or average sketches. The texture appears to be palpable yet otherworldly, and such quality is perfect when it comes to expressing the complex aspects in the human brain. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of Stroke of Light. I'm Jake Chan. Next week. We'll wrap up this mini series on painter Xie Hongjun by looking at the most vibrant paintings in her latest exhibition. Talk to you then. Together already, it's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast. This is Ellen Chu, and this is Andrew Ryan.、Mm, Chicken bok bok. We're gonna talk about the chicken. <laughs> chicken bok bok. What is chicken bok bok? Just my way of like you know saying hi as a chicken. Chicken bok bok. So you're saying you're a chicken. Bok 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 bok. You're bok, a chicken. Bok. You're well, a chicken. Sometimes, sometimes、okay. a chicken. All right. In today's show, we're going to be introducing a very strange-looking chicken, not、mm. Andrew Ryan. All right. We're going to be introducing a chicken called the Silky Chicken. Whoa! I've never heard of that. In Chinese, it's called. Ukuji. Oh, ukuji is called silky chicken. Yes, I always call it like black chicken, black bone chicken, right? Right. You know, this is the first time that I realized that it was called silky chicken too. It has a beautiful name. It does, doesn't it? And then we always call it the black chicken, black bone chicken. So it's interesting because in the Chinese. They focus on what the color of the bones is like,、mm. and then in English, it, we focus on what the,、uh, the feathers are the like. Feathers are like, right? It's silky. But I remember, like ukuji is like very puffy. It has、mm-hmm. like a wild look. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it can be grayish color, but、uh-huh. sometimes it's very white. Right.、Um, but it's very, very fluffy. But apparently, under that fluffy featherness, there is a lot of like black-colored skin, right? And meat、that's, and bones. That's why I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like to see the dark skin. It's kind of weird, right? Kind of weird. You like it? You like Uguji?、Um, not a huge fan. I'm not I, a huge I, I'm fan. I'm kind of indifferent. Me too. But I have to tell you, something happened today when I went to search for the soup. What happened? I had trouble finding the meat of the uguji, so I may be sparing you、oh. from eating that in today's show. <laughs> right? Oh man! You seem so、shame. sad. What a shame! But we do have the soup of the okay silky chicken. Very、yes. good. I could take that. Okay. Okay. It's very strange. They're like, we can bring you the soup, but not the actual meat. 
So the question mark is, is, is it, it really, really the silky like, chicken? That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, why would they say that? Right. But what was really interesting is you could choose from five different kinds of meat. None of them were silky chicken. And then the broths, you could choose from like 10 different kinds of broths. It's all the same. Only one was, was silky chicken. I was like, and it wasn't. It wasn't more expensive or less expensive, so it made me wonder. It's all the same. They just put it in a different container with different label, right? Okay. To attract different people, they including probably added a little bit oil to it <laughs> you know, to make it seem that seem it has it, more right. fat in there. Yeah, or less fat. I think I got um, I got the wool pulling over my eyes. Okay, there's got to be a chicken metaphor for that. I got the feathers pulled over my eyes. I think eyes. so. <laughs> I think so. Well, we'll find out a little bit later. Well, All maybe right. we'll never know. <laughs> hmm. Maybe we'll try it, and then maybe it tastes different. So you're going to want to tune in and see what happens in our third course today, because okay. it could either be very strange or like nothing's going to happen at all. Right. So shall we check what's on the menu today? All right. Let's do it. All right, on our menu today in our first course, we'll start with a look at the two-week micro-season known as minor snow. Do you think it's considered lucky for it to snow at this time? We'll have the answer for you in just a moment. So. You don't think so? No. We're going to find out. In our second course, we're going to tell you all about silky chicken, which Marco Polo said had black skin and the hair of a cat. Oh, that's a good description. It is a good description. Mm -hmm. Third and final course, we'll be sampling a restorative silky chicken soup, the perfect way to ease our way into the cold weather. But is it really as restorative as they say it is? Because they say this is a very restorative mm. soup, right? That silky chicken is supposed to be very good for you. There is another type. It's called Huangji. Uh-huh. That yellow one. chicken? Yeah, yellow chicken. It's supposed to have like a layer of fat that is yellow. Mm -hmm. So when you boil the chicken broth, it's yellow. <sighs> it's not clear. It's yellow. Oh, I don't know about that, Ellen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it clogs your arteries. Pores, <laughs> arteries <yeah. laughs> Scary. Oh, my goodness. So mm -hmm. we're going to actually uh, answer the question of whether or not silky chicken is more healthy. But I don't know if we'll ever answer the question of whether or not the soup we're eating is actually, is actually silky, silky chicken. chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Danny. Danny. All right, we're going to go into a song, and it's called Gong Ji de Yuan Wang, which right. means the, what, the lament of the, of the, the cock? The dream. The rooster? The <laughs> Rooster's dream. Rooster's dream. That sounds good. Okay. <laughs> and it's by Hao Hao Shenzhen, the good mister, and Wei Ruxuan. Wow, wow. Okay. Back in a moment. Okay. <laughs> 抱嫩的衣裳
身体变壮，躺平皇冠也戴上。可是为什么不能像其他鸟儿说出发就出发？头次站到了宿舍最高的地方，用力往外跳。现在只能每天跟着蓝色的天堂啊。Okay. Right. So yesterday was November twenty second. Was the beginning of a two week micro season known as Xiao Xue. Okay. Mm-hmm. And snow in November may not be in Taiwan, but definitely along the Yellow River in China, where the Chinese farmer almanac was written. That's right. Yeah. The only snow we see in Taiwan at this time of the year is from the white chrysanthemums of Taidong and Miaoli, which are in bloom. They originally came from Hangzhou in eastern China. Okay, so is it lucky to see snow at this period of time? According to the Farmer's Almanac, they say snow. On minor snow brings about a prosperous harvest next year. Oh, so it is good luck. It apparently is. I、oh, did not because, know. Oh, because you know, for me, I would assume that you know, if it's too early, then you can't do anything. Yeah, it kind of kills off everything,、mm-hmm. doesn't it?、Uh, now, snow can also help protect the wheat from pests and act as insulation to keep the fields warm.、Mm. Interesting. Yes, and in ancient China, people would prepare warm clothing at this time of the year and hang cotton curtains on the windows. And in southern China, people would eat glutinous rice cakes at this time of the year during the tenth lunar month as a festive offering.、Mm. People start preserving pork to eat at Chinese New Year's. I'm so early. I know, right?、Mm. And then、uh, the weather turns cold and dark, so people start eating warming foods、mm. like lamb stew, lamb,、uh, beef, chicken, kidneys, cashews, yams, chestnuts, ginkgos, and walnuts.、Mm-hmm. In Taiwan, schools of mullet. And swordfish arrive along the coast, and in the south, they start drying fish for the winter.、Mm. Farmers are harvesting the citrus fruits like oranges and tangerines.、Mm-hmm. They say "ru dong tian chen huang." 工人满山园 And so that the、uh, when you're entering winter, the fields are orange with citrus fruits. Sweet citrus fruit, and、mm. then there's like you know laborers all over the、uh, the little hills, you know, collecting in the orchards.、Right. Yeah. In the cold months, the colder weather, the smaller the fruit, the better it tastes. But that's different from hot months. In hot months, we say the hotter the weather, the larger it is, the better it tastes.、Mm-hmm. So you want to, in this time of the year, you want to look for small fruits; they'll taste nicer. Right, and also strawberries are in season. Yay!、Mm. Okay, especially in Miaoli, which has adequate sunlight, sandy earth, and a large difference in day and nighttime temperature. Uh, apparently that keeps the fog and rain at bay, which is, I guess, that makes the strawberries mold.、Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful of that. Also, winter mushrooms now in season. These are more fragrant and flavorful than their summer counterparts. Yes.、Mm, so many things to eat all year round, Ellen Cho. Right. We are going to go into another chickeny song. This is called Fang Shan Ji, which、mm-hmm. I guess was that free range chicken. Yes. And, and this is by Tian Ti Le Yuan. This is kind of the Ladder to Heaven band.、Mm-hmm. And when we come back in just a moment, we're going to tell you all about the Silky Chicken.、Mm-hmm.
谁会藏藏小巷子里，纵横交错，我快要窒息。撞破他需要很多勇气。看着跌跌撞撞、狼狈的自己，好想呼吸新鲜的空气。突然身边一阵放山鸡，放山鸡，在山里，放山鸡。逍遥，我定定向前走啊，尽全力地奔跑，什么分享自由，逃离现实的嘲笑。带着长出翅膀，是我试着飞翔，却把梦遗落在河岸草地。年纪轻轻，毛都还没有长起，此刻跳都样样都很新，擦眼面也没放在眼里。他现在唯唯诺诺，傻傻的自己，碰人来不怕，碰到没自信。突然身边一直放山鸡，放山鸡，在山里跑，放山鸡。Second course. Okay, so second course, we're going to be talking about silky chickens. Okay, they do look funky, and、um, they are recorded that they have black skin and the hair of a cat. Okay, Marco Polo said right, that during and, his trip to China, I guess. Right, and silkies have also been a favorite in many freak shows and scam artists. Well, maybe re- <laughs> you've seen one of them in a circus, maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> the chicken circus. Right. Rumor that when silkies were first sold into Western culture, breeders tried to convince would-be buyers that they were a cross between a chicken and a rabbit. A、What? chicken and a rabbit. Well, they do kind of look furry like a rabbit. Right. Okay. Shaped、and、like a chicken. Their physiology and personalities. Okay. We have a description of that. Silky chickens have quirky personalities. They're very quiet and reserved, but can make quite the racket when sounding a predator alarm or laying an egg.、Uh, oh. They make a lot of noise. They're laying eggs. Right. I'm laying eggs. Okay. Come pick up the eggs. Right. I'm laying.、Them. Silkies are known for their good temperament and friendly disposition. What I didn't realize is that they have a lot of them as pets. They make wonderful pets. They're docile, friendly, and best of all, completely happy to be contained. They don't fly very well, so they can be kept in a chicken run or backyard with a relatively low fence. And, and be held and pet and fawned over. Yes, this is all according to the Backyard Chicken Project, okay, which introduces different types of chooks. Interesting. I think it's a very unusual looking bird. I think so. I think it's, it's the hippie,、bird. the hippie of the chicken. It definitely has a hipster haircut. Okay,、I、so their so. you know temperament is like very good, you know, very quiet. You know,、mm-hmm. they're cool all the time, chilled. Could you imagine having a chicken as a pet? I had one. I think in Taiwan in the old days that you need to raise a chicken. Really? Yeah, everybody has to get like little, you know, chickens. Really? And start to hatch chicks. Yeah, chicks. you raised it at your home. Yeah, in on the balcony. That's a real pain. Yeah, it's a real pain when it when it grows to adult, you know, because it grows very fast. Right, right, right. Then what、and、do you do? You become scary, and then your mom takes them to the. 
the up somewhere and then you have chicken for dinner. I know. <laughs> so That's so sad. It's but so like, sad, but you know, it's kind of like science class that you have to do that, right. raise a chicken, but it's not fun because yes. you don't know what to do after they grow up. Yes. You can't really play with them. This makes sense in the countryside, I think. Like, if you have a lot of space and you can let the chicken run around. We live in a city. Not so good. Not so good. You either have to cage them and then, you know, put them in the balcony and it stinks. This sounds like a bad idea, Ellen Chu. They don't do that anymore, I think. I will say the one good thing about this is at least kids know where chicken comes from. Right. Right? Because I think there's such a separation between what we eat and where it comes from. But nowadays, kids don't have to do that. No. They just see the video from Discovery Channel. They see a chicken in a video and then they're right. like, that's where it came from. Oh, that's how they hatch. Then that's how they grow. So, do your kids have to raise, um, like, uh, silkworms? Isn't that a thing that Taiwanese kids yeah, have to do? No, because they go to an international school. But, oh. you know, he raised beetles himself. Your son did? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. He likes beetles. Yes. That's from, pretty cool. From egg. Are they pretty? Like, are some beetles very some shiny beetles and Some beetles are shiny. Uh, we, we, like, several years ago, like, two years ago, he caught one that was, like, green. Metal mm-hmm. green. Okay? So, that was pretty. It has, like, a green armor. He picked it up at the zoo. And did he bring it home? Yeah, he brought it home. And then we kept it for a while. Because beetles' lifespan is very short. Oh. About maximum three months. That's very sad. Yeah, it's very sad. And, you know, you know how long does it take for them to be be in their egg? Uh-uh. A year and a half. What? But their oh lifespan is only three good. months. Can you even imagine? But, you know, the, the weird thing is that they have this, you know, uh, egg and my... My son, he went to the yard in their, you know, schoolyard, and then he dug it home. Uh-huh. And this white thing, okay, it's just like a little egg, okay? Uh-huh. And then it's like a larva. So he put it in a box with, um, with soil on it. How did he know that that was a beetle egg? That's what I asked him. I said, he said, this is a beetle egg, okay? It's a larva. Uh-huh. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> I said, I don't want it to hatch out to be like a cockroach or something. Oh you know, God. you better make sure it's a beetle. Ugh. So he put the larva on the soil in this box, right? And then the larva start digging into the soil. Oh my goodness! That was freaky. And, and then, then he had to water the soil every day. And then it took like half a year. I'm like, you know, I think it's dead. Yeah. And then he's like, no, no, it's not dead. You know, we wait and wait. So uh, our next door neighbor. He's a doctor. Uh-huh. Okay, so he himself, you know, told me that he was very you know, interested in beetle when he was young. And he grew, you know, he had several boxes of them. Uh-huh. So my son went to him and asked him, like, you know, is this dead already? Or, you know, why is it not hatching? It's been like, you know, half a year, six uh-huh. months already. He's like, you know, it takes about a year and a half, depending oh. on, you know, uh-huh. how long it has been there already uh-huh. when you got him. So if it's, you know, just into a larva, then it takes a year and a half. But, you know, if you it went through half a year already, maybe you have to wait another year. Mm. So, you know, we waited about a year and it finally hatched. Wow, that's incredible. And it was a beetle. Thank wow. goodness. Wow, wow, yeah. wow, wow. What a story, Ellen Chu. Yeah. Aren't you glad it didn't turn out to be a cockroach? I know, because I was so worried. I was like, you know, what if the larva broke down and came out crawling like, you know, thousands of like little strange insects? Tons of them, right? Right. And I'm disgusting. just like, 
Ryan Howell, it better be a Beatle, okay? How do you know this is a Beatle? He said, I'm sure it's a Beatle. So you yeah. were pretty impressed that your son was able to identify it. I think he got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's Honestly, hilarious. Yeah. Oh, mom, you should mm-hmm. have more trust in mm-hmm. your kid than that. Right. All right. Well, we're going to go into another song. And this is called Xiao Ji, Xiao Ji, Little Chicken, Little Chicken. And it's by Zhang Wenqi featuring Lai Huiru. All right. And when we come back in just a moment, we're going to be sampling a restorative silky chicken soup, or at least that's Ooh. what they said. Okay. <laughs> when the beast continues. Is it silky chicken soup or is it just uh, by name only? I think they just added a lot of the Chinese medicine stuff in there. What does it smell like? It smells very musky. It has that Chinese medicine taste. (laughs) You know, tanggui. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to tell you what it's called in Chinese. They call this hushou. Wu Ji Tang. Yeah. Um, and it says, Chang Jin Jingu. 
美容养颜。Uh huh. So what does that mean? It's just like bitter gourd. <laughs> yeah, like we had last week. Yeah. So essentially, it's good for your complexion. It's supposed to be good for your、um, your nerves. So it's supposed to be good to treat anemia or postpartum disorder、mm-hmm. and、uh, diabetes, and to reinforce your muscle strength and immunity.、Mm-hmm. So basically, basically, it strengthens you. Okay.、Mm-hmm. So usually, the first thing given to a mother after she's giving birth to restore her health. Well, not necessarily because I think you know we use like. Chill, right?、Mm. Like the the wine,、mm-hmm. right? The rice wine, rice to, wine, right? To cook it, you boil it down so that all the alcohol is gone, but all the restorative properties are still there. Right.、Apparently. So, and scientifically, is there any evidence saying that this kind of chicken is more nutrition than other chicken? Well, even though they say that, a research group at the Ministry of Education at Nanchang University conducted a study to measure the amounts of a naturally occurring peptide called carnosin in silkies,、mm. uh, compared to white Plymouth Rock chickens. They said that this、uh, element is known for its ability to delay aging by protecting the tissues in the brain, heart, and eyes. The study found that they did have twice as much of this carnosin. Or carnosine in the silkies, proving that they are better. But I don't know that that's true. There are other people that say that there is actually not much difference between these types of chickens, and like they're not necessarily healthier. We have some other things here. For example,、mm-hmm. we say that、um, it's it's melatonin, you know, being built in inside the skin. They try to say like the black skin and bones. That's what makes it so good. But actually, you don't really need that dark、right. color. That just comes from melatonin, right? And then another thing is they say it has a lot of、uh, protein, but they're saying that you don't necessarily、um, need that like an extreme amount of protein. You just need a normal amount, right? Right. So, and then what's the other one? So, uji de xie qing zong dan bai han. Uh, 和球蛋白 So basically, the protein is higher, okay,、mm-hmm. and also、uh, more in iron.、Mm-hmm. Has more iron, but you、right. don't necessarily need that much, right? Need that much. It also says that you can actually get more iron from like like、uh, pork. From certain kinds of like less fatty、right. pork, and also because of these chicken, I think they run around more, so their muscle tone—it has like a texture where you chewy, sinewy, yeah, sinewy. Yeah, I don't like that. So it's interesting though that the one of the articles we read says that、um, it's may wait, but it doesn't mean that it has a higher, which means delicious, but it doesn't、mm-hmm. have a higher. Uh, nutrition content. I think it's just psychosomatic. Psychosomatic. It might be, right? You know, people because it's maybe rarer, rarer, or and the color, the coloration is different. So、mm-hmm. people, you know, just kind of have this kind of saying from the old older generation.、Mm. But you know, at the end,、mm-hmm. you just drink chicken soup. Just have chicken soup.、Mm-hmm. What do you think of the chicken soup with the Chinese herbs in it? Do you like it, or do you prefer regular clear soup? I like the regular with the mushroom. Yeah, me right. too. Right, just chicken broth with mushroom. Nummy, nummy. Right. Yeah. Not this kind. Sometimes with all the Chinese herbs, it, it, Chinese medicinal it's, herbs, it's very it's just、thick. like tangguiya and stuff like that. You know,、yeah. I don't like it. Has it has kind of a? Does it taste like very herbal? Yeah. 
but not in a good way. Well, you know, I can get herbal. I take Chinese medicine every day, but you know, it's just like when you're eating food. Yeah. You want it to be flavorful. You prefer right? it to be your yeah. You prefer umame. The, yeah, the, but not with all the medicines. Like you eat a meal and you still have the medicine. That's so a separate. Keep the medicine taste with the medicines. Right. The food tastes with the foods. Exactly. You I know, like it that way. Not a mix needed. No. Well, this was an experiment. We just thought we would look into it and see okay. if what they're saying is true about this uh-huh. chicken. And I think we've come up with our own answer. Right. No need la. No need la. Okay. <laughs> they can be their hippie of the chicken, you know, uh, better, life better the circle. Better to raise the chicken as a cute uh, cat-like chicken Or, at home. you know, as a pet. As a pet. Right. Rather than to eat it. Exactly. All righty. So that's our look at Silky Chicken and today's Face Meets West. We want to thank you for listening. And of course, we would like everyone to write to us and, you know, share your view with us. P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw. That's right. And be sure to join us again next week for another fantastic episode of Feast Meets West. Every episode is fantastic. Always, okay? everyone. <laughs> Before we go, we have one final song. It's called Kukuke. Kukuke, and it means bok bok, chicken bok bok. Right. Back and to the beginning, Helen Chu. Chicken bok bok. The artist is called Pa Pang Tuan. The band that's afraid of getting overweight. Yeah. Heavy said. Yes. What a funny name. I know. <laughs> Don't okay. be afraid. Have your chicken soup. Exactly. Or Feast Meets West, I'm Andrew Ryan. This is Ellen Chu. See you next week. Bye. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. All it takes is a click to listen to RTI online. 
Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs> 